David. I appreciate you coming on here. No problem. I appreciate you having me. Um, all right, let's get started. The very first question I want to ask you. Yes, sir. Is, to the best of your knowledge, um, why is the current sheriff, is he retiring, resigning? What, what's going on there? He, he's taking a new position. Um, he's actually running for Brown County Commissioner. Okay. Uh, I don't know exactly the reason why, uh, but I do know he's stepping out as a sheriff uh, to run as commissioner, and he is running on a post, so it, he's guaranteed that seat. Okay, um, aren't, so, so who, which commissioner is not? Running again? Yeah. Uh, Darrell Gray. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Darrell Gray. Now, Barry Woodruff is running for commissioner, and he had an opponent until last week, which was, uh, Tim, Tim O'Hara, and Tim is going for Brad Winstrup's seat. Yeah, that's, so, that's why I, I was like, I saw that because I was driving home one day and I just saw like a Gordon Ellis sign and I couldn't catch what it said. Right. And I'm like, what? What's going on? And then I, I randomly saw something on Facebook where it was a, somebody shared a post about Tim O'Hare running for um, the uh, Brad Winstrup. And then I Googled like, is Brad Winstrup quitting? Right. And it said, yeah, he is, which I mean, not to go down a rabbit hole, but you're starting to slowly see a lot of uh, political or a lot of people in political positions, um, elected officials, that's what I was trying to say, yes. they're um, stepping down or not re running for re-election. Nancy Pelosi, you can say what you want about her, but you got to give her credit. She stepped down from being the Speaker of the House, and now, now should she step down or not run for re-election? Yeah. <laughs> but... But a lot in Brad Winstrup, he's like sixty four, you know. Um, my 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 thing is, you you're gonna die soon. Not not you know, not sixty four, <laughs> but but Nancy Pelosi. Right. Nancy Pelosi is eighty. Right. She statistically, she probably won't make it to a hundred. Right. I hope she does. I don't want anybody to die. But you're telling me that if you don't make it to a hundred and then you retire, you only have that many years to enjoy your life. So I come from, like, my mom, she retired at 49 from the hospital. Yeah. So I have that in my mindset. It's like, get in, get out. <laughs> That's my mindset. Uh, I got you. Um, what are we talking about now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, see, I get all, I get all worked up. No, you're good. You're good. Uh, we, we were talking about the commissioner's race and some of the changes that are going on here in Brown County. Yeah. Um, so... Um, but, but, I mean, do you know why he... I, I, I don't. I, I'm going to try to reach out to him, maybe get him on there. I think that would be phenomenal. Uh, I haven't had to have that conversation with Gordon. Okay. Um, I think Gordon thinks, and here I am, I don't want to tell you what he thinks. Um, I think I think maybe there's a feeling that Gordon can do more good at the commissioner's office. And um, I feel like I would be blessed uh, to have him as a commissioner because he knows what the sheriff's office needs. He knows some of the issues, and I think he would be willing to uh, be more flexible with us working with the budget at the sheriff's office and knowing some of the, uh, the shortcomings. Okay. Um, I guess that leads me to my um, second question. Yes. Um, here. From what I remember, um, bet you ran in 2016 or yes. ba basically 2015, but it was for 2016. You did all the campaigning in it. 
it seems like we ran for three years. Yeah. Because we started our campaign very early. and uh, But, yes, it was the 2016 election, yes. Okay. Now, um, this is the thing I was telling you about. This is the question I was going to ask you off air. Yes. So, so it's it's kind of multiple questions, but you, you'll understand that. Yeah, we we'll go, go with it. Um, so... You, from what I, I I took, well, the the results showed that you had, you were second, right? I was. Mm-hmm. Um, out of out of four. Out of four, and, and and like I said, from I understand, you and those other three ran, or you were set, um, you were campaigning for a long time. Yes. And then, to the best of my knowledge, Gordon Ellis just popped out of nowhere. And I'm like, who's this guy? <laughs> I, because I, I'll never forget, me and my mom were coming home from Eastgate one day, and you were putting in, like, a little uh, door note or something, and then we got to talking. Yeah. And there was something, I think maybe um, there was an issue at the Brown County Sheriff's Office, like uh, the lock didn't work or anything. Yeah, when the doors, the doors quit working, yeah. Y- yeah, yeah. And then we talked about that, and I was like, this guy's good. I like him. He's got my vote. I voted for you. Thank you. Um, and then... But I thought that, and we, we, we talked, I believe it was um, like maybe November, late 2015. Yes. That's when we talked. Yes. And then it, it happened, the primaries happened in March. Correct. Um, yeah, I, I didn't see Gordon, uh, I want to say Gordon Hayward, the NBA player, but uh, <laughs> Gordon Ellis, I didn't see his um, signs until like January, maybe even February. Right. And I'm like, in my head, like, <laughs> A little late now, huh? Yeah, but but he was he was on it. He was so on it. So good, you know, good for him. And, and and I have as I think back of that 2015, 2016 campaign, um, we did we worked really hard for what seemed to be. I, I laugh and joke three years, but we did. We hit every parade. We tried to hit every village to go door to door. We tried to get everybody to uh, to get to know us. Mm-hmm. And um, and I felt like we'd done a good job, but. Maybe my focus was in some of the wrong, wrong places, um, and and in the end, I think Gordon his uh, his resume was so impressive. Um, yeah, his military, mm-hmm. uh, I think, really uh, helped him um, to kind of step above the rest. I felt very confident when we had our meet the candidates mm-hmm. and we got to answer questions. Um, but but a lot of times, I kind of felt like me and Gordon were answering the questions very similarly. Yeah, uh, but maybe he was answering a little more. Uh, Educated mm-hmm. and uh, and I am a little redneck, yeah. so sometimes I put okay. it uh, I put it as uh, a normal Joe, and okay. uh, so that's a little different there. Um, so the question I was talking about off air. Now, you all ran as Republican candidates, correct? That's correct. Okay. Now, one, why would for for a sheriff's being a sheriff of a county, yeah. Why would your political party really matter? I really wish there was no political okay, okay. designation. Okay, you can answer that question later, but th- <laughs> th- that leads me to why does it matter? Though is what you're asking. Yeah, why does it matter? And since you were doing so well and you were really confident, why it, it blows my mind that none, nobody had the idea. Okay, well. Gordon won the primary, and he's not running against anybody, so all one person has to vote for him, and then he wins. Right. Why can't we just go – I mean, I, I, you seem like a reasonable guy, 
And so why, why couldn't someone just, I, I hate to say swallow their pride and like run as a Democrat, but would that really matter if, because me and I know people around here are rah, 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 you know, conservative Republican, and that's fine. Right. But I, I could definitely see where they would be like, oh, I'm not voting for a Democrat cop. <laughs> but 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 I, my thing is like, how why why do you why would someone see it that way? So why yeah. why wouldn't someone run as a you know? And and, and so good question. Mm-hmm. Um, prior to this election, prior to this campaign getting started, I contemplated would would it be okay to run as an independent? Mm-hmm. If I ran as an independent, then we wouldn't be talking about the primary. We would be talking about the general election in November. Okay. So there is that difference. Now, my beliefs are. Very conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, so they do align with the Republican Party. On top of that, um, born and raised with those <laughs> with those beliefs and those uh, morals and values that align with the Republican Party, always been Republican. Okay. Uh, you know, from, from the minute uh, that I can remember uh, getting into any kind of uh, um, politics at all. I've always aligned with the Republican Party. Now, that being said, I think we see a lot more nowadays far right mm-hmm. and far left. Yes. So there's a lot of, lot of room in the middle, and I think a lot of people probably consider themselves more of an independent. I'm very strong Constitution. Mm-hmm. I think if we could get back where the Constitution was written, that's where we need to be. Okay. So, um, so yeah, uh, you know, the judge race, um, a lot of times they're not designated Republican or Democrat. Why shouldn't the sheriff be the same way? Yes. And, I mean, you know, if Courtney listens to this, and if I say it wrong, she'll definitely correct me. But I think she was explaining, like, it doesn't, the the um, political party you're affiliated with doesn't really matter because there are no primaries. It's just, like, there can be, okay, perfect example. Her, there were two Republican judges. There could have been two more Democrat judges, and it would have been a one versus one versus one versus one. Correct. You know, um, so I don't. It, but I, I guess, and you're talking about your your views and your uh, morals and stuff. But I guess what I'm getting at is, even if you're a Republican or a Democrat, when it comes to being the sheriff, how is it any different? You right. Know, you go. I'm saying because yeah. I mean, your goal is to Keep the county safe, um, right. low crime rate. Um, you know, w- like I don't see how that is. You know, yeah. like from a reasonable person, I don't see how someone would be like, "Well, he's a Democrat. I'm not <laughs> voting for him." We uh, we have a lot of people that do vote straight line. Yes, we mm-hmm. we do we do. Uh, and, and obviously, in the primary, you can't do that. Yeah, you, you got to so. Um, yeah, I I wish I had a, a, a an exact answer for you, but that's uh that's probably an age old question. Okay, um that 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 gives me a a better perspective of it. Yeah. Um, now y- you spoke at um the Republican Women's. Yes. Because th- that's what got me the idea. Okay, meet the candidates yeah, there at the um, uh, yeah. Well, actually, what got me the idea? I saw a sign, and then I saw somebody posted it on Facebook of you talking. And you said in there that someone told you, um, I'm paraphrasing, yes. somebody told you that two things that will hurt you 
is uh, um, how, how, how did you word it? You, you said that uh, someone south of 125 will never will never win. Right. Correct. Which you pretty much proved that wrong <laughs> eight years ago. You know, close, close, very, very close. Um, and then you know, keep your religion out of it. Yeah. So, how are you, um, like, how are you going about it this time around with still being someone that is operates south of one twenty five? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question. I don't believe that uh, there's anybody in Brown County that is. Um, prejudice towards where you live at in the county. I don't believe that's the case. Yeah. But, but the problem with that being is, if you look at the voting numbers, let's just say in, just in the November election, uh, when you look at those voting numbers, Georgetown, Mount Orb, Perry Township carried all the votes. There's just so many more uh, registered voters, so many more people getting out in those three areas. That's where all the votes are. Perry Township. Perry Township. In, in Fayetteville. Correct. It has like 400 people. In the town, I should say. In well, the, I guess it, they do have Lake Lorelei. That that and that's where uh, people I think are, are led astray is they think well Perry Township's not that big, it it, it is very very large because of Lake Lorelei because of, it, it's very populated and it's the number one tax base in Brown County. Why is that? I, I guess because of the income, the property values. I'm not sure, but hmm. it is the number one tax base in Brown County, and a lot of people don't realize that. Wow. Yeah. Because so do, so. So how do I handle that? How, when I look at that and I see Mount Orb, Georgetown, and Fayetteville had the most amount of voters, well, obviously that's where I need to be to be able to get people to um, to be able to introduce myself to them, mm-hmm. so that they can see my beliefs, so that they can see my morals, my ethics, and and, and what kind of job that I would do if I, if I was elected as the next sheriff. Okay. So I've had. Um, my focus has been on those more populated areas that just happen to be north of 125. Okay. Um, I believe a lot of people, Ripley, Aberdeen, Higginsport, I'm, I'm born and raised here. The majority of them know me. I'm not going to say all, obviously, but the majority of those know me. Uh, spending 10 years at the uh, Ripley Police Department and five in Aberdeen, a lot of them have got to see me uh, throughout my career and know what kind of job I'll do there. So that speaks for itself. People in Mount Orb have no clue what I've done in Aberdeen. Or if they do, it's it's a selection. Yes. So basically, you are going to not necessarily focus Ripley, Aberdeen, Higginsport, and you are going to go north and Fayetteville because, I mean, if you start at the Maysville Bridge on the Ohio side and you yeah. drive up to Fayetteville or to the top, that's that's every bit of 45 minutes to an hour. Oh, absolutely. You know, so yeah. people in Fayetteville, do you really think they communicate that well with people in Aberdeen right. or Ripley? Right. No, they don't. So you are going to focus on pretty much Georgetown and North. What I would love to do, and this is never going to happen, there's 48,000 people in Brown County, roughly. Mm-hmm. I'd love to be able to, re- to reach out to 48,000 people and just have a conversation, even if it was just a 30-second conversation with each and every one of them so they can kind of see who I am. Okay. Uh, that leads me to another question. How are you handling campaigning as much as possible and still working? Right. <laughs> and being a pastor. <laughs> so There are uh, 26 hours in a day, right? <laughs> That's what I need at least. Okay, okay that, that, but, I like that. But no, um, uh, so I, during the week, our, uh, we work 10-hour shifts. 
So it's really hard to be able to break away of an evening to be able to get to a whole lot of events. But I try to get to everything I can during the week. And then on the weekends, when we do have some free time, we, we try to hit every event in every location possible. And some people may say, why did you go to the pancake breakfast for the kids with Santa Claus in Fayetteville? Well, because... Why not? Th- yeah, why not? What, th- those parents are voters. Mm-hmm. Fayetteville has an issue right now with not having enough law enforcement and having some issues with their local PD and some things. So they want to know what my plan is to fix that. So, uh, so yeah, I'm going to... Was, was there 10 people there? Yeah, probably so. But out of those 10, I probably talked to three or four. Uh, obviously, you want to be in places where you can talk to m- as many people as possible, but you get, you got to go everywhere. you got to be everywhere and be able to talk to people. I think another part of that is they want to see your work ethic. Yes. If, uh, if, if you're campaigning hard and you're working hard, that shows me that you're willing to work for the position that you want. And that's me. Um, I'm, I'm not speaking about any other candidates, but I will tell you, 60 to 70% of my signs were put up by me, my family, dad, had a few other helpers. But I'm out putting those up myself uh, because I do think it's it's a work ethic. And, and that's part of my leadership as well as we go down that hole just a little bit. Yep. Um, I, I think there's a difference between a boss and a leader. A boss tells you what to do, a leader shows you how. And, and I'm that guy. I'm that leader. Love that. Um, yeah, I've said it on my podcast uh, before um, – Work ethic is an undeniable trait. If you have good work ethic, people cannot deny you. You can say, oh, well, this or that happened, or they don't like me. I, I promise you, I pro- unless you're like a pedophile or, 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 you, or you're like Hitler. Yeah. That's the only thing that will um, topple work ethic. You can be the biggest asshole in the world, but if you have work ethic, people will shut up. It, it, it's just like... Um, like Nick Saban. Yeah. I guarantee you there are so many players, former players, current players, that have said, oh, I hated him. Yeah. But I got behind him. Yeah. Because his his drive, his work ethic, you know, and work ethic is undeniable. If you have a great work ethic and you prove yourself, you'll go places. You, you'll do anything. Work ethic can correct a lot of problems. Yes, it can. It, it can correct a lot of problems. You may have some problems in places, but if you're willing to work hard, you can get through those. Yeah. It's a work ethic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I might have kind of asked this already, but what are you doing differently now versus? First uh, campaign? Yeah, first campaign. Oh, that's a great question. Uh, we've started off kind of the same way. Um, I, I've been blessed that my social media has really taken off. Uh, yep. I had mentioned that a little bit in the past, that I felt like the way that campaigns were, were being ran were, were starting to, uh, to, to change. That, you know, I saw some movement. And I think nowadays, more than ever, it's important to have social media and to have those connections because I may not be able to reach those 48,000 people face-to-face, but out of those 48,000 people in Brown County, how many of them are going to see a video or listen to recording or read one of my posts? And, and get to know me through that. Um, so, how old are you? 49. 49, okay. Um, will you, once, not if, once, um, you become sheriff, will that, like, uh, will you start a new retirement? Will you? Yes, I'm actually scheduled to retire September of next year. 
Okay. So. And that'll be through the Ohio Police and Fire, which is uh, associated with uh, municipalities in the state of Ohio for law enforcement and fire departments. Okay. So once I retire in September, there is a gap before the new sheriff would take office in January of 25. Okay. Um, so really it's a win-win. It is. You are, you're going to retire. Yes. If you, if you win in March, you're basically, you're going to take a four month break. Yep. And a lot of people say when they retire, all they need is just a, a few months and then they're ready to go back to work. Right. Um, Willie Nelson said it best. He said, if you slow down, you go down. Um, I like that. That's good. And so what, um, when you become sheriff, how long do you think you'll do it? That's a great question, um, and that's a rabbit hole we may have to go down a different day. Okay. As we start talking about uh, we're living in the last days, and we're going to talk a little bit about religion if we're going there. Okay. Um, I'm a strong believer in uh, this world has not got a whole lot of life left in it. Okay. 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 <laughs> if that's yeah. fair. Yeah. Uh, I, and, and, and I'm very open-minded. Is it going to be one term? Is it going to be two terms? Um I strongly believe that if I go in there and in one term get some things changed that I would like to see changed and build up the department and and find an officer that would be willing to step in as sheriff and be a, a good candidate or, or better, then, hey, I, I'm more than welcome to step out of the way and let another leader step forward. Um, do you – is there an age limit like where a cop ha- – You've reached this age, and you can't be a police officer anymore. Or no, no. do you think there should be? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I, I think there's a time. I, I don't know. I don't know because I tell you, age is is a number. Mm-hmm. I think it boils down to your mentality, your physicality, your you know health. Some of those things more than just a number. Yes. Me personally, I think fifty five would be pushing it. You know, because. I mean, say you gotta you gotta wrestle somebody down, yeah. And they're twenty five, and you're in your fifties. I mean, cops do a good job, but yeah. you know, Father Time's undefeated. <laughs> you know, Father Time is undefeated. So, now that being said, uh, I think there are a lot of different positions in law enforcement that mm-hmm. aren't always just patrol officers and out dealing people hand yep. in hand. Um, will you? As sheriff, will you be more administrative in the office? Will you be on the road, out doing? Do you just want to become the sheriff just so you can be you can be the first one in the parade every year? <laughs> that's it, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. it. You nailed it. Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. Uh, I am a guy who loves to wear different hats, literally mm-hmm. and figuratively. Uh, I like to do it all. I like to be out and work in drug cases with my guys. I like to be able to work investigations with my guys. I want to be able to go out and handle calls, uh, those domestic calls. In the, in the middle of the night when they have a situation going south and they, they need you know backup or whatever it may be, I want to be the guy that comes from the house and goes out and backs them up. I, want to, I literally want to be involved in, in everything that I can, not because I want to micromanage, but I want to be there to support my guys. Okay. Now, I'm going to tell you, there's detectives at the Brown County Sheriff's Office right now that are better detectives than I will ever be. So why would I go in and tell them, well, you need to do it this way, you need to do it that way. I don't need to do that. I just need to be there to support them and say, what can I do to help you that you can do the job better? Do you have 
support from the sheriff's office? Yes, sir. Has Gordon Ellis officially, or has he told you at least in person, like, hey, uh, you got my vote, or no, no, he okay. is uh, unofficially he is uh, he has told me that uh, he's going to support Chris Hodges, which oh okay, which I respect. Okay, I very much respect. Um, now I, I don't want to ask about him because I don't I don't know him. Um, but uh, what what makes you stand out? From Chris Hodges or just stand out, period? What makes you, wh- why do you think you should be the next sheriff? Pe- people should vote for you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, bring, I bring a whole lot of different things to the table. I, I, don't, I don't know that I've ever met, and, and I hate to brag on myself. I, I really have a hard time, but I'm just going to say what I know. I don't know that there's another officer that has the compassion that I have. And that compassion goes for victims, suspects, the guy walking down the street. I feel like I have compassion for everybody. And I think when when you have compassion in law enforcement, you find that people are more willing to work with you. Um, people are more willing to, 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 to um, follow suit. Okay. So if I go in with compassion, what are the road deputies going to do? I think they're going to follow suit. They're going to start. You're going to start to see that compassion, uh, that softening, um, and, and not that, not that all the time we're going to have something that that we need to be compassionate about. But but there are times where victims, children, even suspects need to know that that we care about the situation they're in. That's number one. Number two, the only way to stop people from reoffending is not yell and scream at them and put them in jail and expect that that's going to fix a problem because it never has. Yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of it comes with mental health treatment, and we need to continue that and even even maybe take a step above, be able to offer more of that in the jail while they're in there to get them started in mental health treatment. That way when they get out of jail, instead of them, you know, we expect that they're just going to show up for their counseling treatments. They've already had some of them, and they've already seen that transition start to happen, so they'll, they'll step into that. Drug pe- treatment is the same way. Um, so that that's some of the things that I feel like I bring to the table in that part. The other part is, and, and we've already kind of talked about work ethic, work ethic a little bit, but my dedication to um, making sure that the sheriff's office doesn't stay status quo but continues to rise. Mm-hmm. Gordon has done a phenomenal job of bringing in new equipment, making sure the guys are uh, have all the tools in the tool bag. Okay. My job is to make sure we keep the officers that we have now. Uh, we have a lot of homegrown officers that were loose in the Claremont County. And some people will tell you it's because of money that they're leaving to make more money in Claremont County. I won't dispute that as part of the problem. But part of the problem is if you have a good work environment that you enjoy coming to work every day, those dollar figures don't always mean as much. Um, I don't want to drive an hour away from my family, an hour or two, in an hour from, that's two hours out of my day that I'm not getting paid for anyways when I can work in, in the county that I was born and raised, live in, my family lives in. So we want to keep those officers, and how do you do that? You make it a good work environment where they enjoy coming to work, they enjoy the camaraderie, they enjoy the family atmosphere. They And one thing I've always said with, with, with all my police departments is my officers have ownership. Mm-hmm. You say, well, what do you mean they have ownership? I mean, if I'm buying new bulletproof vest. I'm going to speak with every officer. I'm going to say, what type of vest is best for you? Now, not everybody's going to agree, but the majority rules in that situation. 
you give them the tools that they want to use, not the tools that the sheriff says you're going to use. So I know nothing about Bulletproof Vest or the brands. So say Officer Bob here likes brand A and Officer Rob here likes brand B. Bob's going to get A and Rob's going to get B. Is that what you're saying? No. Oh, okay. Majority rules. So say, oh, we, oh, say, yeah. say, we, have, yeah, say we have 20 deputies and 12 of them say we'd rather go this route. Then that's where we're going. Okay. Rolling. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. What is the? I'm a, I'm not the sharpest tool in the <laughs> I'm not the dullest, but I'm the sh- not the sharpest. College taught me one thing. I'm not I'm not the smartest, <laughs> but I'm definitely not the dumbest. Um. What is the starting pay for a uh, deputy in Brown County? Don't quote me on this, but it's somewhere in that twenty-one, twenty-two dollar an hour range. Okay. And is there a top-out pay or? Yes, and, 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 and currently, right now as we speak, there are negotiations uh, uh, with the um, commissioner's office and the union on what the rate of pay is going to be over the next, I believe they sign a three-year contract. So we're really hoping that that turns out well. When, when would you find something out and when would that start? It, it could be any time. Oh. Okay. Yeah, it, it, they've actually had the opportunity to agree on things and they haven't yet. So any day they could agree on a contract and sign off on that and move forward over the next three years. So there is going to be some things that I, I, I can't – I won't have a hand in that at all. Okay. Um, this just popped in my head. Do police officers, town police and deputy sheriffs, do they care about speeding tickets? Yes. Now what I mean by that is I've heard that – and some cops have said – Town cops, not state troopers. Yeah. Take those out of the equation because obviously, you know, that's that's their bread and butter, essentially. Yeah. Yep. Some will be more lackadaisical on it. Right. They're more, they want to maintain the peace. You know, they're not necessarily worried about giving tickets. They're, okay, what, um, let's stop the drugs coming in. You right. Know, we're not worried about someone going 36 and a 25 on Home Street. Right. You know, so... Go ahead. You ever get dope out of a car going 36 and a 25? No. <laughs> well, not you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so is it important to enforce traffic laws? It is. Okay. It is. Um, more than one reason. Number one, it's safety. And, mm-hmm. and, and now, obviously, there's a difference between somebody going 36 and a 25 on Home Street at noon or at 3 o'clock when the kids are getting out of school, mm-hmm. or when there's snow on the ground, or when it's raining, that speed is different than 12 o'clock midnight, nobody's out and about, clear weather. Okay. So, there's so many varieties of things there that, uh, okay. uh, but yeah, I'll tell you, I don't, I, I can't count how many times in my career that um, headlight out, got me some dope. Yeah. Or, Got a, a felon off the street or somebody with a warrant. Now, now we are um, we're we're on the subject of drugs. Yep. With Ohio just recently um, legalizing marijuana. Now, to the best of your knowledge, what? How does that affect a police officer? Starting, I assume, January first, G- uh, December seventh. Oh, okay. <laughs> so. Why, why wouldn't they just wait till the thirty days from the election? Really? Yeah. Then why? Then why is that for issues? Because like, why would 
Yeah, for, for like a candidate, why do they wait till the new year? I, I'm, I don't, I don't know the answer, but yeah, okay. yeah, um, there, there are going to be some major, major issues with this because I, the state's already in the process of saying, okay, you passed it to be legalized now, but now we're going to put restrictions on it. Mm -hmm. So those restrictions have yet to come out. Okay, but it already appears that if it gets passed, there are going to be some very tight restrictions on where you can use marijuana not that you can use it but where okay um with that being said you said it starts it's legalized december 7th right correct and there are some restrictions that have yet to come out yes so as of right now since it's past december 7th and the restrictions haven't came out not not all those restrictions are in place right so what happens say someone has um I don't. I don't smoke. Yeah. Someone just has a joint on them. Yeah. No problem. So you you can't do anything about it. Right now, no, no. Okay. We, we yeah we weren't we're not. In, I'll be honest. Do they have to tell you? Do they have to tell me that they have it on? Yeah. Now, no, now they, that it's legal. No, they don't have to tell me. Okay. Yeah, they don't have to tell me. Okay. Um. Now, is there a like an amount, um, like that is illegal? Yes. How? Yes, and and like for instance, in that uh, in that law that they passed, you're allowed to grow um, six plants mm -hmm. per individual, and um, if you had two, or it, no matter how many individuals you have in your home, maximum of twelve. So you can grow your own right there at your house for that. Um, there, you are not allowed to sell. You have to buy from dispensaries. Obviously, the dispensaries are few and far between right now, but we do have some local. Uh, and I look for those to pop up. Where? Mount Orb. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, now, now that I think about it. Um, my uncle has some property on, um, like in Lewis County, right on the river. Uh -huh. And his neighbor, this was five years ago. Okay. His neighbor sold, like, grew um, CBD. Yeah. And, I mean, it was like... Um, 72 miles worth of plants. It just, it looked like, it, honestly, it was just like a tobacco field, but with weed. Yeah. So, will will they be able to do, will, will someone be able to do that? Because, you know, the the CBD, that it's not what gets you high, right? Like I, like, like I said, I, you know, I'm like a dog trying to smooth concrete. <laughs> I, 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 there, there is a difference between marijuana and hemp. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. So, okay. And they're used for a lot of different purposes. But can people grow it? Now in Ohio, or can can corporations grow it or farmers grow it to just like tobacco? Like they're they're growing the tobacco, they're taking it to a company. You it, know, there's going to be a licensing um, process, and I don't know exactly how that's going to play out. But yeah, like if for say I wanted to grow five acres of marijuana, mm -hmm. I would have to go through the state to get the license and get everything squared away so that I could do that and okay. then and then sell to the dispensaries. Okay, um, so. Do you think that will help the drug problem now that you're not really you don't the, you can't the, focus on marijuana, it, which it, I don't I, I I don't think you all do. You're more worried about yeah getting fentanyl off the streets. Yeah, um, I think in the long run, uh, it, it'll be it'll be better. I think in the long run, uh, in the short term, I think it's gonna there's gonna be a lot of issues because people. Sometimes don't make themselves aware of all the laws. So the first time we stop somebody and they're smoking in their car, 
And uh, we say, you can't do that. You can't smoke in your vehicle. They're going to go, well, they passed a law that marijuana is now legal in the state of Ohio. Yes, they passed that one, but what about the other five laws that they put said you can't smoke in public, you can't smoke in a vehicle, you, you know, those kind of things. So pretty much you can just smoke in, on your property. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you say there, there are certain places you can't have it, or can you? There are definitely going to be some places that you can't have it anywhere in the vicinity of a school. And is it, tw- you had to be 21 to buy it? Correct. Okay, so it's just like tobacco. Um, so what, besides, you know, getting away from marijuana, like what, what is the biggest drug now? Like, so right now I think the the one that we're dealing with the most is methamphetamines. Really? Uh, and and I'll be honest, I am just blown away how, how cheap it is as far as a street drug. Mm -hmm. And with it being so cheap, people who do have addiction problems can, you know, afford to, to buy it or, or steal something and trade for it or whatever it may be. So with it being so affordable, it's definitely a problem. What was your first year being a cop? Uh, 1993. From Were you alive then? Yes. Uh, <laughs> Oct- October 7th, 1993. Um, so from 93 until now, what has, like, from a drug perspective, what has changed or what just blows your mind? Yeah, yeah. So uh, what, what, what was it or – were drugs an issue, a, a bigger issue now? Were they back then, or is it getting worse? Is it getting better? Yeah, Elaborate it, on that. It, it de- definitely much worse now. Okay. Um, back when I started my career, we dealt with marijuana and, and alcohol, um, but we did not have the issues that we have now. Obviously, the amount of drug overdoses due to heroin, fentanyl, uh, those kind of things are astronomical. Uh, it's amazing how many young people, and I say young people, even older people that we've lost over the last 10 years because of this true epidemic from that. Um, you know, methamphetamines really truly makes people go mentally out of their mind. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't realize that um, once you're clean from methamphetamines, it takes one year for your mind to completely heal. Really? So you've got to be sober for a year before you truly get your mind back. So it's not one of those, well, I've been clean for a month, I'm good. No, it it, it it your mind has to heal from all that abuse from those drugs. So, um, yeah, there, we've, we've noticed a, a whole lot of change. And with that, whenever you have a drug problem, you're going to have a theft problem. A lot of people who are addicts can't keep a job, aren't going to work, mm-hmm. so then they're going to steal stuff from you here on the farm yep. and take it and trade it to the local drug dealer. Okay. Um, now, when you started, Narcan was not a thing. Correct. Um, what are what's your opinion of Narcan? Initially, let me go initially, and then I'll okay. go where I'm at now. Sure. Initially, when they first come out with Narcan, my my immediately right off the bat, the first thing I said, "Oh, great, we're going to carry uh, insulin and things for diabetics." And they said, "No, we're going to carry Narcan." And I said, "So if I can't help somebody with diabetes, then why should I help somebody who's overdosed on purpose?" And they did not like that. <laughs> they didn't. But that was my <laughs> that was my initial answer. Since that time, my I think he's completely changed, and I have talked about compassion. Yeah. It could be your son. It could be your daughter. It could be my son. It could be my daughter. It could be me. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's that dirty needle that somebody dropped in the park, and you're taking your five-year-old nephew down to the park, and he grabs up that needle not knowing what it is, and, and he gets poked. Well, if I don't have Narcan on me, how am I going to save him? Yep. 
So there's a lot of good reasons for Narcan. Uh, I, I'm a strong believer in there has to be consequences for your actions. Mm-hmm. Right now, my whole problem with Narcan is they can overdose, they can overdose, they can overdose. They keep having this Narcan. They, they feel like there's no consequence for their action. You know, if we show up to an overdose and you've overdosed on the first fence, uh, we ought to mandate that you go to rehab. And if you don't want to get rehabbed, then you can go to jail. The second fence, that ought to increase. Third fence, that ought to increase. There has to be a consequence. We just can't continue to give them Narcan and say, well, you know, I guess you'll, we'll see you next time you overdose. Yeah. You're not helping anybody. And, and it's our job to help. It's our, jo- it's our job to stop that problem instead of enabling it. Okay. Um, so when, say, two people are doing drugs and one of them overdoses, the other one calls, um, are police, like, it, it, since it's a medical emergency, Yes. do police show up yes. too? Yes. Or, even though it's a medical emergency. Absolutely. So why? Uh, n- number one, when you give someone Narcan and they, uh, they actually come out of an overdose, they become extremely violent. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so we definitely want to be there to protect our squad members in okay. that case. I, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, no problem. Uh, a, a, another part of that is we oftentimes find that with drugs, there are other issues, firearms, stolen property, whatever it might be. So when we show up, obviously we, we run a render care. In in our situation, the police department's probably going to be the first on scene before the squad even gets there. Okay. So we can keep them alive until the squad can get there to render their care. Okay. Um, if they don't make it, say they die. Now it's a active criminal investigation for manslaughter. For the person that was with them and that didn't die? Well, or the person who provided them with the narcotics oh, that okay. killed them. Okay. So... There are many different reasons why law enforcement is going to show up on an overdose scene. Okay. And, and not only that, but sometimes we show up, we're able to save their life, and then we'll go, let us help you. Are you willing to get treatment now? Can, can we connect you with some, with some resources? Okay. Now, you've been talking about, like, uh, compassion and, uh, like, for the job and for everybody, you know, the victims, the, um, the suspects. Um, you said that sometimes you pray, you will arrest somebody and you will pray with them. Yes. Um, ha- kind of de- describe that. Go a little more in depth on that because I have more questions, but you might answer them. Yeah, you okay. Answer the questions. Um, and every situation is different. Uh, there's times where we maybe show up on scene and maybe it's a medical emergency and somebody's family member just went in the squad. And, and I'll offer them at that point in time, would it be okay if I prayed with, prayed with you? Pray for them. Absolutely. So we could be standing in the middle of the living room, taken by the hands, and just pray that uh, that God will, will be with their loved one, watch over them, mm-hmm. heal their bodies, use the doctors and the nurses as, as, as God's hands and feet. Okay. Um, so that's one situation okay. where I'm able to pray with people. Um, been in situations where people have lost loved ones, mm-hmm. whether it be a car accident or a drug overdose, uh, whatever it may be, and they're, they're extremely distraught. And again, I'll offer them. It, it would it be okay if I prayed with you? I never tell anybody, hey, let's pray. Okay. Yep. I always offer. Mm-hmm. I always offer. Just like anything else, have I ever been told, no, I don't want you to pray with me? Yes, I have. Um, one lady, and obviously would never mention any names or anything like that, but one lady told me, she said, I don't believe in God. There's no way that uh, 
if there is a God, that he would allow me to go through the things that I went through as a child. Mm-hmm. And I respect that, and, and I left it alone. So if somebody says, I don't want you praying with me, or that offends me, then, then I'm not going to pray with them. Um, many times have I arrested someone, say domestic violence. That, that, that's one that I, I, I see a lot. I don't know if it's remorse immediately, because they do love that person, even though they just caused them physical harm. They do love them. So we're on the way to jail, and they're starting to feel that remorse. Man, number one, I'm going to go to jail. Number two, there's going to be a protection order against me that I can't be around them mm-hmm. anymore. I may lose my my marriage or my relationship. I may not be able to see my kids. I may lose custody of my kids. So all those things are going through their mind. And usually there's conversations on the way to the jail or, or whatever it may be, and you start to see the, you know, the emotion in them and, and things like that. So then I always offer, would it be okay if I pray with you? Can we can we pray that this situation is the consequence that you need, but at the same time is a turning point in your life where things start to get better? Okay. And the majority of the time they'll go, yes, please, because they're looking for an answer, and I know the answer, and the answer is God. Okay. Um, so w- with that being said, um, you, you mentioned domestic violence. What is... The bare mi- and uh, th- this it's it's always a touchy subject with yeah. that. But yeah. what is the bare minimum of that could be deemed domestic violence? So I guess the best way to describe it is uh, domestic violence says that you uh, knowingly cause physical harm to a family member. Physical harm. Correct. Okay, harm. Harm. Right now, I'm not. I'm not defending anybody. Um, and it's no, it's not just one particular thing. No. But I've always heard that, like, oh, so and so had a domestic violence on them, but it was very, very, um, very, very minimum. Yeah. Like um, he said, she said a lot of times, right? Yeah. And he like, said this, and she said that, and that's all it was. Or like um, they pushed him, uh, pushed him up against the wall, or something like that. Yeah. So. Let's say they get physical with them, but they don't harm them. And now I know that doesn't make sense, but do you see where I'm coming from? I do. So could – As a law enforcement officer, you're asking me, um, if I show up to a domestic and Joe says that you slapped him and he's got a red mark on his face, you go to jail. Okay. Now, there's, there's physical evidence to prove what he said statement happened. Okay. So if, if he says something happened – and I don't see any physical evidence, do I just immediately take his word as being the gospel? Kind of have some evidence to go along with that. Okay. Now, what if um, there's a shouting match between a couple? Yes. But there's no violence. Right. And, a, 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 you know, the law enforcement gets called. What, how do you? Uh, there's a separate section for domestic violence. Okay. The separate section is a, what, what we call a misdemeanor of the fourth degree. And it is what we call a verbal domestic. Okay, that 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 answer that pretty much answers everything. <laughs> because I'm like, I thought domestic violence is. My thought process was, it can't be domestic violence if you're just yelling. Yeah, people don't like get yelled at, and yeah, it's it's mean and traumatizing, but you're it's not violent. So the verbal domestic is okay. that you threaten to cause okay. a physical harm. All right. So if I look at you and I say I'm going to whoop your tail. Okay. And you believe me, domestic violence. So when it comes to, 
the evidence. Yes. How do you have evidence of verbal? Because, like you just said, it becomes a he said, she said. Right, right yeah. So you're, you're going to have to have something. Uh, a lot of times nowadays when we show up, people are recording on their phone. Mm-hmm. Or they have, they have cameras inside their home. So there's, there's, there are some ways. Um, a lot of times when you talk to two people, they'll say, well, yeah, I said it, but I didn't really mean it. Yeah. Well, you said it, and, and she yep, believed yep. that you meant it. Yep. Okay. <laughs> so so there are, you still got to have something there. You can't just say, well, she said that, so you're going to jail. Um, now you, you mentioned uh, everybody's recording nowadays. Yeah. With, uh, especially with what happened with George Floyd and, like, you know. Dozens um, others. Yes, exactly. Um, how do you, like, because, uh, I mean, the, it's um, case-by-case basis. Yep. You know, there could be a recording you see on Facebook easily. And most of the time when I see that, I just keep scrolling. I don't want to see <laughs> I, w- Whether the cop's in the right or the person's in the wrong, I, I'm just like, nope, that's probably going to upset me. Or it's just like, wh- why we got to be like this? But um, how do you keep your composure when deep down you know that they're just trying, they're being difficult, they're trying to, got gotcha. you. Yeah. Right. You know, so how do you do that? It, because, I mean, I, I understand, like, there, you, you have to have a certain temperament, correct? Correct. With, with this job. And there are some people, and I, I, I hate to play armchair quarterback, but there are some people that lose it. But I love to see it when there's that cop that just, like, just plays it cool and they basically kill him with kindness. Right. So, right. And I think that all boils down to your personality. Mm-hmm. And, and I do have that you know, very kind, gentle personality that uh, when somebody's recording or trying to cause issues, I, I can smile and laugh it off and, uh, you know, and, and smooth through it. So I don't, I don't have a whole lot of issues with that. Okay. But, but I do know there's more, there's other officers who are maybe a little more uh, forward, more, more aggressive when it comes to somebody recording them. Okay. Um, when someone does that and you can, like I said, you can tell that they're trying, they're just being difficult. Um, say you pull someone over. Yeah. And they automatically, why are you pulling me over? You haven't told me. How do you address pulling someone over? Like, do you, are, do you say, uh, can I see your license registration? Do you introduce yourself? Do you say, hey, my name is Officer Benjamin. I pulled you over because of this. Yeah. Because m- my thinking is, which they're cops, you know, they're professionals, so they probably, you know, they know how to do it. But just everybody you know, has a different routine. Just immediately tell them because that 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 suppresses anything. Yeah, yeah every, you know. everybody has a different routine. Um, so yeah, w- with me, I go up, introduce myself. Hey, listen, I need to your driver's license, proof of insurance. Reason I stopped you today was okay. Um, so then, as they're getting their driver's license, proof of insurance, I always ask, have you have you had any convictions in the last year? Uh, you know, I want to know if you're a habitual offender or if this is just something that you, you know, uh, I always ask, you know, did you realize what the speed limit was? Did you realize that the light was red? You know, I, I ask because I, I want to give them the, the benefit of the doubt. Tell me why it was that, that you broke that law. It, was it an accident? Mm-hmm. Was it, you know, because I'm mad at my girlfriend and I'm hauling butt to get out of town? Yeah. So I, I want to give them the opportunity to tell me why. Um. I'll be honest, I think if you give people the opportunity to speak and you just listen, they accept that so much. When I don't allow them to speak and I say, shut up, I'm the one that's going to be in control of this situation, drive the proof insurance. Okay. It's not going to go well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Give, give me an explanation. Tell me why. Um, 
do I write every speeding ticket that I ever stop? Absolutely not. You know, there, there are many factors that would maybe cause me to give you a verbal warning. And so with me giving you the opportunity to tell me why, there may become some of the, my girlfriend's having a baby, and she's at the hospital, and I got two minutes to get there. I understand, but you're not going to do any good if you get in an accident. Slow down. Here's your warning. Go on your way. Okay. Now, uh, I saw something on Facebook years ago, and it was, um, I'll, I'll try to get around to comparing the two. The guy said that he was walking on the street, and someone asked him for a dollar, and he said he gave it to him. Now, do I know if they really need that dollar? No, I don't. Um, so, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Right. Can you personally, being a cop, and, you know, they say everybody has a tail or a tail, however you pronounce it. Um, someone, oh, you know, my mom, she's uh, pregnant or she's getting ready to have a baby or my girlfriend's pregnant. I, you know, they're, can you tell if somebody's making up a lie or they're being, like, how do you tell if someone's being genuine? You, you, you really have to watch your body language. That, that's the number one sign for if someone's being truthful with you or not. Uh, are they looking you in the eye? Are they, you know, what, what are some of their body language? Um, it, a lot of times, and, and this is through my narcotics investigation when I'm doing traffic stops and I'm looking for somebody who maybe have drugs in a car or things like that. If they're wearing a T-shirt, I'm looking at their heart rate. I know that sounds crazy. Okay. But I'm watching to see if their heart's racing. If your heart is racing, we've got a problem. <laughs> okay. You've got a reason to be overly nervous. Okay. It, um, when I ask somebody, you know, if they have something in the car, the next two seconds is going to tell me whether, no matter what their mouth says, the next two seconds is going to tell me by their body language whether there's drugs or narcotics or guns or whatever in that car that they shouldn't have. All right. We have a lot to cover. So, <laughs> I mean, I think we're, we're I, for, I don't know how long we're in. <laughs> we're 50 minutes in. We still got a lot to cover. Um, so you mentioned the, the exact words you said were, What's in the car? Do you have anything in the car? I, uh, when I was in uh, college, we had a speech class, and um, we had to do an informative speech. And this guy came up, and, you know, he, uh, his speech was about um, conceal and carry laws. Yeah. And he said that, now this was 10 years ago, but close to 10 years ago, he said that, a, a regardless if it's concealed carry, you have a concealed carry permit or you don't, that you don't have to tell the police officer that it's in your car if it's not on you. Like, it, 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 say, say it's in the dash or, you know, in the glove department, that he, he was saying that's technically not on you. So if the cop says... Which you didn't just say that. If the cop <laughs> says, "Do you do you have a firearm on you?" Yeah. He could say no, but you said, "Do you have anything in the car?" That would that's your way. I can tell that's your <laughs> way of getting around to it. So, so is that true? Like, it, yes. If, if I have a gun in there and you say, "Do you have a gun on you?" I can say, "I don't have a gun on me." And you're not lying to me, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that that is that is a lot of it goes with the way you ask a question. Okay. A lot of it goes with yeah. the yeah. Okay. Um, now, I oftentimes ask people, how much have you had to drink? I don't ask them, have you had anything to drink tonight? Mm -hmm. I don't need to ask you if you do. I already know you do. 
Okay. How many? But I've seen officers go, have you had anything to drink tonight? Nope. Well, you already smelled it on them. Why are you asking them if they had anything to drink? You need to ask them how many. Of course, then you get that notorious, I had two. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I should have asked you this in the beginning. But um, describe, t- tell me your uh, law enforcement career. Like yeah. how you started, where you been, how long, and what's going on. Yeah, so we're 50 minutes in, so yep. we'll go another 50 minutes yeah, on this yeah. one. Right? <laughs> no, it's good, good. Um, so I guess before I can start with my law enforcement career, I have to show some of the backstory, which is, which is my family. I come from a long line of law enforcement. Okay. My great-grandfather was a sheriff in Adams County. Cool. My great uncle was a sheriff in Adams County, both for two terms. So they were brothers? Nope. Father and son. Wait, you wait. Great grandfather and great uncle. Oh, oh, okay. Yep. You said great great. Yep, yep. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. I get it. Um, and then my grandfather was a uh, law enforcement officer in Ripley and in Aberdeen back in the uh, 50s uh, and have multiple other back in my bloodline. My sister is a corrections officer at Claremont County. Uh, she's been for about 20 years. Uh, she started in Brown County and transferred over there. I have a son that works at Union Township Police Department. Uh, I have another son that worked for Adams County Sheriff's Office for a while. I have multiple. Um, my um, cousin works at Brown County Sheriff's Office in the jail. We come from a long line of law enforcement. So when I was in high school, I struggled. I struggled through my high school years. In my junior year, I decided I was going to go to JVS and take criminal justice. Simply because, well, my family done some of that, but I'm never going to be a town cop. Never. <laughs> that was the thing I kept saying. Not going to be a town No, not going to do it. I had my opinions as a, as a kid what that looked like to be a town cop. So I went through criminal justice two years at JVS, and it really changed the way that I viewed education. The hands-on process, things that you're interested in, make it easier for you to learn. If it wasn't for JVS, uh, or I think now they call it the Career Center or CTC, yeah. that really changed my life. That two years there really changed my life. And then I also realized how much I enjoyed it. Uh, the law enforcement, the criminal justice part of it, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to go on to college, and I'm going to take uh, classes to be a park ranger, and I'd like to go out west, and I'd like to be a mounted park ranger. Mm-hmm. Before I graduate high school, my instructor comes to me and says, hey, we're going to do a police academy. You ought to jump in and, and take the police academy while you're a senior. And I said, no, I don't want to do that. He's like, think about it. This could be a backup plan for you. Well, okay, well, that makes sense. Got to have a backup plan in your career. So when I graduated high school, within just a month or two, I graduated the police academy as well. At 18 years old, I started my law enforcement career. Mm. My first job, oh, go ahead. So on a side note, you're saying that you went to the JVS yeah. for a particular subject, yep. and you actually used that subject for the rest of your working life. The rest of my life. You are far and few between. I am. I didn't go. I wish I would have went, but I can't tell you how many people just go to the JVS, learn a trade, and then they just go do something else. And yeah. I think it, now there are some people that, there are probably a lot of people, but just not a lot of people I know. You, <laughs> you're, you're wasting, you're going to be a mechanic, welder, cosmetologist, IT, and you're going for something else. Like, they just gave you free education for two years to gain all that knowledge, and you're wasting it away. (laughs) So, kudos to you. Thank you. I I can't tell you how many people I see, like, you just welded for two (laughs) years. You are a certified welder. 
right? You can do right. TIG, MIG, you know. Go to work tomorrow. Yeah, but you don't want to do it. So why yeah. don't you just waste those two years? Right. Um, so 18, where'd you start? Yeah, I started in Manchester. Okay. Now, as a kid, for me, Manchester was terrifying. <laughs> That was a place where everybody went to get drunk and have bar fights, and it was it was very very physical and and all those kind of things. So, uh, as an eighteen year old kid, it was really a, a culture shock to work in Manchester. I was only working auxiliary, so I'd work a couple weekends a month while I started college. Um, whole time I was in college, I, I worked somewhere all the time. Um, worked in Manchester, also worked at the power plant as a, um, a security officer. To, to make money while I was going through college. Once I graduated college, as a, uh, I graduated from Hawking College, which is up in Nelsonville, mm-hmm. yep. uh, with a degree in Ranger Services, and everybody gets a kick out of when I say this, backcountry horsemanship. <laughs> Go ahead and ask. What is that? <laughs> backcountry horsemanship is, uh, is actually about being a mounted park ranger, mounted police officer. Uh, we also did... Uh, uh, colt training so I could actually train horses and I really enjoyed horses I, mm-hmm. I really so and it went hand in hand I thought well I'm going out west I'm going to Colorado Montana I'm going out somewhere and I'm going to be a mounted park ranger and there's all kinds of these jobs and I'll be great guess what there wasn't a whole lot of those jobs mm. so after graduating um there I actually went to work at Rocky Fork State Park okay and I was a park ranger for three years all right uh, it was seasonal, so therefore money was tight. Times were hard, um, so I also worked during that time part time at the Higginsport Police Department and the Georgetown Police Department to make sure I could make enough money to make ends meet. After uh, after a couple years of doing that, I had an opportunity to take a full time job either in Georgetown or Ripley. Born and raised in Ripley, thought, man, this will be great. Go back to my hometown, be a police officer. Everybody will love me. It'll be great. So I decided to go to Ripley in 1998, and everybody didn't love me. Wow. When you were stopping the guys that you went to high school with and writing them <laughs> tickets for driving over suspension and DUI. <laughs> uh, okay. but, I, but even though they didn't, I, I won't say they, they, they hated me. They respected me. Uh, the majority of them, we had respect. You know, they had respect for me. I arrested family members. I arrested friends. There was always respect, and like I say, that I think it was because of the compassion and respect that I showed them mm-hmm. that I got it back in return. So after Ripley? Yeah, so I was uh, I was in Ripley for 10 years. I was lieutenant within the first three, uh, second in command, um, was a canine handler for a while, and, uh, and left Ripley to go to Winchester, um, was in Winchester for 10 years, five of those years as uh, chief of police. Okay. And that's really where... I started to figure out this whole leadership thing, exactly how that how that's supposed to work. Um, I, had, I got a call one day from the uh, mayor in Aberdeen, and he said, we're going to hire a chief of police. Would you be interested? And I said, absolutely not. <laughs> Aberdeen is a train wreck. Yep. Everybody knows that you, you, you're not successful in Aberdeen. Yep. I, I'm not interested. So I went home, and my wife said these notorious words that she says to me way too often. Pray about it. Mm-hmm. So I did. I prayed about it, and uh, one morning I went out and I started my cruiser to go to to go to Winchester. And as soon as I started the cruiser, the uh, radio came on, and the woman said, "It's time for you to make a change in your life." And it was just like God said those words to me, and I just felt felt it. 
I felt it. I thought, well, I guess I know where I'm going. I'm going to Aberdeen. And uh, went down there, and and I'm not going to say it was easy. It was was, was a tough road to hoe. Uh, But we jumped in with both feet. And, again, that leadership by example thing really pulled me through there uh, and treating people the way that I want to be treated, that golden rule thing. And um, it's turned around. Aberdeen is in a great place right now. Good. It is in a great place. Uh, first time that I ever know of that we've had matching cruisers. And you say, what, is that really a big deal? Yeah, it's a big deal. It, it's a respect thing. Uh, people respect you when, when you have some uniformity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just about enforcing the law, but it's about being a part of the community. And, and one of the things I said when I went to Aberdeen is I said, we're not going to change the police department. We're going to change the culture of the village. And I'm sure they kind of looked at me, you know, like I had three eyes, but that's exactly what we've done. We've changed the culture. We've been transparent. We've told people what we're going to do, and then we followed through. Okay. And it and it's worked. Um, was there a like a shootout or something about four years ago, and something like that? And because I remember somebody showed me a picture, you got like your front teeth knocked out, or is that something? <laughs> <laughs> or so, I, 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 that's good no, no, no you're right you're because all i saw was like you took a picture and then there were like a cute oh okay okay that, that answers everything strangely enough can, I volu- can, can you can yeah can yeah you uh, yeah me? i voluntarily had my 12 teeth pulled out of the top of my mouth <laughs> um I, I, i've had dental problems my entire life and i broke my front two top teeth like three times and and i'm going man what am i gonna do so I finally went to a dentist. I'm like, well, what are we going to do here? He's like, well, you can have uh, implants put in. I'm like, how much is that? Like eight grand. I'm like, mm, I, can't, I can't do that. And he's like, well, your other option is pull your teeth out and, and uh, wear dentures. And I had like 12 good teeth in the top. Mm-hmm. So I had all my teeth pulled out, put in dentures. Now, the funny part about that was I got my teeth pulled out. They put the dentures in and sent me home, and I was bleeding like a stuck hog. Okay. So when I got home that day, the bleeding would not stop. So it doesn't happen. Well, one time in my life it's ever happened. I I don't like go to the hospital. I don't like go to doctors, those kind of things. My wife said, what do you want me to do? I said, call the squad. (laughs) So, of course, who who shows up? All the guys who I work with and and deal with, and they're like, ah! (laughs) Yeah. Taking pictures and getting, so, yeah. So you did, there there wasn't a, there yeah, I, w- I would love to tell you a great story how I got my teeth kicked in, but it didn't happen that way. Damn. <laughs> it had been a much better story than me having my teeth pulled so I could have dentures. Man, I fell for that one. Man. <laughs> uh, but a good I, cowboy story would have been great right well, there. Well, I could have swore somebody showed me a picture, and it was like days after, um, like there was an issue in Aberdeen, like I was maybe drugs or something, but there was like kind of like a shootout or something like that. Was this maybe yeah. right before the pandemic or something? So here you go. We we did have a shootout in Aberdeen. W- was that co- yeah. were the two timelines very similar? Maybe I'm just. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. And and I'll I'll go with your terminology shootout. So literally, what we had was a road rage. Okay. We had a road rage incident that started in Adams County. And when it got in front of the Beverly Hills Inn, they act, both vehicles actually struck each other and ran off the road. Okay. There was a male and a female in one car and two males in another. As a female exited the vehicle, uh, one of the gentlemen from the other car pulled a gun on her and ended up shooting her in the arm. Okay. She had an extremely large amount 
of methamphetamines on her person. So the rest of the story, I, I, I can't tell you. I don't know. Okay. I believe there was probably a she stole their dope or something of that nature, but I, I can't prove it, don't yeah. know. Uh, so she actually took the uh, large amount of methamphetamines and went and hid it in a uh, fire extinguisher at the motel. So we had to go through and watch the uh, camera footage from the motel, and we're like, what'd she put over there? Yeah. Went over and got the methamphetamines out, so there was uh, three of them that went to prison. Okay. Um, I I could have swore that, like, I remember hearing that there was, uh, like, a some, some big issue that everybody was talking about in Aberdeen, and it, now that you say it, there was a road trade in- incident, but then I swear it was like, Two days later, somebody showed me that picture of you, and I'm like, "Did did he like? Did he did somebody just like punch him?" And, and man, uh, man, I I, I feel yeah. stupid because no, I believe, you're good, yeah, you're I, good, I, I believe, yeah. man. Yeah, I man, like I, I, I wish I'd have known that you had to do that story. I'd have it'd been made much easier for me to tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me see what else I have for you. Um, so. You said you changed the culture. Yes. All right. Um, do, is that your plan to change the culture in Brown County, or are you, figuratively speaking, are you going to take a baton and just run with it? Yeah. With what Gordon has done. Uh, Gordon done a phenomenal job. He really has. He's done. Was a it in job. a bad situ? Was it in a bad place when he got it? I, I, th- I believe so. Okay. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, we talked about the j- jail doors. Mm-hmm. not latching and some of those issues. Uh, and so let me let me hit that real quick, and then we'll go from there. Um, the jail is still in awful shape physically, the building itself. Okay. Uh, that's something we're, we're definitely going to have to address in the very near future is how can we finance a new jail? What can we do? Because we're, we're dumping money into a jail that is uh, – it was uh, built in 1980. So it's way past its prime, and, and, and not only that, but it's – um, well undersized. Okay. We need to have more beds. So that's one issue that we have to handle. Um, when Gordon took over, I think he made a uh, huge leap forward by, like I say, uh, bringing in equipment, setting up some standards, and changing some things. And I, I think he really put together a good department. Um, I think some of the things that I want to do is to take it to the next level. So you say take the baton and run with it. No, there's going to be some changes. Some of the changes are going to be the culture. Uh, and when I say culture, the respect for one another, the transparency, uh, communications, um, some of those things I think have to change. Those guys have to, to know that, hey, if they come to the sheriff and they say, these are some of the problems we have, that I'm just not going to say, well, I hate to hear that. I'll see you later. But I'm actually going to say, okay, what can we do to fix this? Is this a problem that you have or is this a problem that, majority of the deputies have so I want to be uh be that for them I want to be there to help them to make them better I want to take one of those guys that is 18 19 years old in the jail and help him to build a career like I had okay uh that's huge that's huge if 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 I can show somebody hey these are some of those mistakes I made don't make these and 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 let them kind of you know, see some of my experiences, I think that'll make them better officers. And hopefully in the, in the long run, that'll make the department better as, as a whole. It starts with one, and it multiplies from there. If you okay. can help one person get better, then guess what? He becomes a training officer, and he's helping three more. 
So it multiplies, and that's that's how you change the culture, one person at a time. Okay. Yeah, I, I like that answer. Yeah. Um, so about now, just cop culture in general with, you know, I, I think – it's always going to be an issue or a topic of, you know, people that don't respect law enforcement. And yeah, it's definitely not going away. Yeah. Um, do you think, just yes or no, do you think it's went, like, it's less of an issue that it was, obviously, back, like, when the pandemic started and, you know, George Floyd and it's de- It's definitely came down. Yeah. It's, de- it's definitely leveled itself out. So, how do you, you personally, how do you think um, a police officer should go about changing the culture and, you know, getting, like, getting on the same page with the public. Yeah. As so if every time I talk to you, it's because I'm pulling you over and I'm asking you, why were you on this, why were you on that, it's not going to take you long to go, jeez, every time he sees me, he pulls me over. But if I see you gassing up at the gas station, I'll stop in and say, hey, how's, that? how's everything going? How's your family? Everything going good at work? Just normal conversation. I go, hey, I, I know Benjamin. I talked to him the other day at the gas station. It doesn't always have to be in a law enforcement setting. It's about building relationships. Okay. And, and again, we'll kind of maybe sidetrack a little bit, but I, a few years ago I figured out the true meaning of life. And people look at me like I'm crazy when I say, oh, yeah, I, I did. I think the true meaning of life is two things. It's love and relationships. We have to love one another, and we have to build relationships. Mm-hmm. And that came straight from God, and that comes straight from the Bible. And if we do those things, even in law enforcement, love your neighbor mm-hmm. and build relationships, Everything's going to be great. Okay. Okay. Um, how was it, like, you know, during the pandemic and whatnot with, like, I mean, being a cop, it, it just, it, it wasn't a, I mean, obviously you're, you're, you have pride and you're proud to do it, which you should be. But, I mean, it was hard being a cop, I, I would say. Yeah, you yeah, know. well. Because, I mean, that what happened was, Regardless of what you think or the the conspiracy theories or you know of all that, but and like like I said earlier, every situation is a case by case basis. Yeah, you know you have good cops, you have bad cops. It's just like any other people. It's like any race. There are good people of one race. There are bad people of one race. You know, I, I'm Catholic. There are some bad priests. And there are some good priests, but that doesn't mean that they're all bad, right? You know. So, how was it in that time frame? Like, d- did you see any of the repercussions from that? Did the recordings, like, uh, you know, shoot up pretty much? You know, can you elaborate on that? A yeah, bit? you know, and every agency was different during that time. Okay, every agency jumped out and said, "Okay, here's how we're going to handle things." So um, as I sat down with my guys, with uh, with our officers, I said, here's how we're going to handle things, just like we did yesterday. And they looked at me like, what? I'm like, you know how we did things yesterday? Yeah. That's how we're going to do them today. Well, what about mask? I said, if you, f- if you feel like you need to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't feel like you want to wear one, don't wear one. <laughs> okay. Let's not, let's not change that. Uh, let, let's continue to do job status quo. Some law enforcement agencies said, no more traffic enforcement. We don't want to go face-to-face with anybody. We don't want to have that, uh, that you know, interaction. No more traffic enforcement. I told my guys, enforce traffic. Yeah. What do you want us to do about handling calls? Do you want us to stay at the office and, like, call them on the phone? 
No. Go talk to him face to face. Yeah, you can. Go find out what's going on. <laughs> now, I, I that's because of, that's because of me and who I am. I'm not saying that's right, wrong, or different. That's just the way I told my guys to handle things. So, as far as the epidemic, it did it did change a lot of agencies. It didn't change ours. It didn't. Uh, you know, I hate when people get sick. I hate when you know when we have to deal with things like that. But we can't allow it to control us. Okay, change everything we do. Um, would you be up to talking about um, something that happened in the beginning of the year in Aberdeen that didn't involve one of your police officers? Sure. Okay. Um, to the best of your knowledge, I don't know why I said that. I mean, you, yeah. pr- you probably know the whole story. Can you elaborate on that? Um, uh, the kid that um, like the Ripley cop that came to Aberdeen. Yeah. You know, uh, can you? I just I just want to hear your side of it. Right. Exactly. And and, and, I, and I'll do this out of all fairness. I'll only speak to what I know. Okay. Because obviously I, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't say well in my opinion or my opinion. It's it's not my opinion. It's just the things that I do know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do know that evening that uh, that there was a call that came out of a uh, hit skip accident. Uh, at that point in time, we didn't have an officer on. We don't have 24-hour coverage, unfortunately, with Aberdeen being shorthanded. Okay. Um, so Ripley officer was uh, was made aware that there was a hit-skip accident that had occurred. Okay. And um, he, uh, he came into Aberdeen, and as he came into Aberdeen, he observed the vehicle going across the new bridge, and, uh, and he followed that vehicle um, to the – to the best of my knowledge, and I'm going to say the best of my knowledge from what I've been told, and and, and I believe this is accurate. The uh, the traffic stop took place somewhere around the new bridge, and a pursuit uh, occurred at that time, and uh, and then obviously vehicle crashed, and uh, it's awful that a family had to lose a loved one, mm-hmm. and and it's a a horrible horrible incident. Um, but but obviously there's been a full out investigation going on that mm-hmm. um, we have worked very diligently with the Maysville Police Department because obviously we're across the river from and on a daily basis we have some interaction with law enforcement between us and Maysville so some of the questions have been how do you want us to handle this when we're doing the traffic stop how do you expect us to uh, interact with, with your officers how do you want this to, so we have worked together to to make sure we're all on the same page on on how these things are supposed to occur we've had meetings with their prosecutor and our prosecutor just to make sure that we're doing everything the way that the uh that the law requires and the way that we both prefer it to happen uh to make sure that we don't have any uh you know, any conflict so um now not that particular situation but Say uh, you see something suspicious in Aberdeen, and then they drive over to Maysville. Do you have the authority to drive over there, or do you? I mean, obviously you can alert Maysville. Yes, we can. Um, so if it's just something suspicious, I don't know that that's enough for us to initiate a traffic stop. But if I see somebody who uh, violates law, let's just say um, <laughs> one of the things we're dealing with every day now is a semi-truck that is over the 30,000-pound weight limit that they're coming right down 52 and they turn onto the old bridge 
and they we light them up and turn on our lights and sirens, and they don't stop, and they continue on into Kentucky. We follow them over, and we initiate the con okay. the, the the traffic stop in Kentucky. Okay. So uh, yeah, we we do have that. There is a, and this is where there's some gray area there. What, and I'm gonna, I'm, I'll ask you this question. I would like to hear your answer. What's the difference between uh, a failure to stop and a pursuit? Uh, a pursuit, they know that they're being, you know, um, a failure. They know they're being pursued, obviously. Um, and then a failure to stop is you don't know if they are talking to you or they are motioning for you or – they're trying to get around you. Like, I can't tell you how many times that I've seen a cop pull up behind me and then, you know, I pull over and then they just drive on past. Is that the kind of answer you're yeah, looking for? Yeah, uh, you're right there in the same ballpark. Okay. I think when some when, when we go into a pursuit, there's a change in their driving habits. They are literally trying to evade us. Okay. They are driving at a, a, a faster speed than what they had been because they're trying to get away. Uh, they are not stopping at stoplights. They're not stopping at um, uh, stop signs. They are going left to center to go around other vehicles. That is that is a pursuit to me. Someone who is physically trying to evade law enforcement. A failure to stop is somebody like you said. I didn't know you was behind me, or I didn't know where to stop at. That's that, we get that a lot. We didn't know where to stop at, and by the time we turned on the bridge, you were there, and we didn't know if you wanted to stop on the bridge or continue over. So. That's where I think a, a lot of this legality really comes in place. Are, did they just fail to stop, and we followed them into Kentucky, or were you pursuing them? That's that, that's some of the legality. Have you ever had to uh, let someone go, like a police officer? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you see corruption, or have you seen corruption throughout your career that, like, I mean, you know how there's, like, a – petty stuff, and then there's, like, sur- for real. Yes. You know, like, legitimate, like, this matters. Yes. Um, like, the petty stuff is, like, I probably wouldn't do that. But the the real stuff is, like, that is, there's no right or wrong. That is wrong. Right. Do you see that a lot within the police community? I would not call it a lot. Okay. Uh, the few cases that you see get magnified. Okay. And especially in the media and things like that. Um, and... and and I'm I'm one of those a, as a leader, as a chief of police. Um, I think it's my place to call somebody out if if they're doing something that I think may be wrong, and it may even be as simple as I review somebody's body camera footage, and I see them cussing at somebody. That come on now, did you really need to call them seven different names to get their attention? Okay. So I call those things out. We don't need to treat people that way. When when you act that way, guess what that leads to. Yep. The, the issues that we've had as law enforcement. You owe it to not only me, but to the other law enforcement officers to treat people with respect so that we don't have to deal with the backlash from what you're doing. Okay. Um, I, I'll give you an example. And this happened to me. Okay. And um, it, it's over. I paid the fine, whatever. So I'll say it. Um, several years ago, my friend calls me up. He was underage at the time. He's like, hey, man, can you buy me some beer? I was like, sure. So he picks me up. Now, like I said, I'm admitting this. It, it, it's passed. I just want your opinion on it. Yeah. Um, so he picks me up. I go in there. I, buy, I go to the liquor store. I buy the beer. 
um, I, uh, I walk out. I get in the car. He drops me off. Okay. Well, I go on with my life. Everything's fine, right? This was in, like, uh, March at the time. Um, and then two months later, my, I was riding around with my mom, and she was like, hey, will you pull into uh, Harold's Quick Shop real quick? Um, I want to look at something. And uh, she was looking for a type of wine. She couldn't find it. She was like, well, let's go up to the liquor store. So we go up to the liquor store. I'm walking around. She's looking for it. I'm just kind of minding my, my own business. And the uh, clerk, the cashier, she starts talking to me, and um, – she said, what's your name? And, I, and that was, it was weird because it wasn't that kind of conversation. Yeah. And I was like, Jacob? And she's like, Jacob what? I'm like, uh, Carpenter? And she's like, oh, well, I mean, I, I just, I figured I'd get your name. You always come in here. No, I don't. <laughs> no, I, no, no, I don't. I don't go in there at all. That, that, in it, law it, enforcement, we call that a clue. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, about three hours later, police officer shows up at my house. And... He, he says, hey, let's, uh, let's go outside, and uh, I, I need to talk to you about something. I'm like, all right. He's like, well, um, we have proof that you um, bought alcohol for so-and-so. And so he writes me a ticket, and now, side note, could I, could I not accept the ticket, or do I have to at least take the ticket, and then I could say, like, okay, I'll, I'll pursue it, I'll... Yeah. I'll try to fight it. Yeah. Okay. Um, there was no, they had no physical evidence okay. that I bought that alcohol. But what it was, was they, um, that night, the person that had the beer, uh, they got pulled over. They were underage. And according to that person, because I saw them like a month after all this, a- after my part happened. Um, they said that they just didn't care. They just wanted to know who bought, who bought them the alcohol. And, I mean, they, they gave them a ticket, you know, for right. underage. Underage, yeah. Um, and, but he said he, 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 didn't te- he didn't rat me out, which I believe him because had he ratted me out, it would have happened that night. It wouldn't have happened two months later, right? And they would have known your name, not needing to know it. Yes. Um, so... They said that we have ev- or a, a police officer, we have video of you buying the beer, and then another police officer said he saw you get in the car. There's still no proof that I gave it to them, you know. Like, so, the way I see it is, they were really trying hard for, like, something that was already done with. Now, yes, it was wrong, but... They were really trying hard, and they were just hoping for a, like a, just admit you did it. Confession. Yeah, yeah. Looking for a confession. Um, so, in situations like that. Yeah. Like, do you, do you see kind of where I'm coming from? I do. Where it's like, really? Yeah. You, like, you're just hoping. You're thinking this be, happened. Be, because I, I, I firmly believe that had I pursued it, I, I would have had a legitimate case because there is no evidence that they have of me giving them that. Right. You know, so that's kind of like maybe, obviously that's not the big corruption. Yeah. But it's stuff I, like that. Do you see... I encourage, and I encourage people to know your rights. 
mm-hmm. know what a police officer can do and what he can't do. Uh, that way you don't get in a situation where you go, was he in the right or was I, you know, um, like I told you earlier, I'm, I'm big into the Constitution. I believe that we, we need to, to um, fight for our constitutional rights, not give them away. Um, and, and that's one of those situations where, hey, know what your rights are. Uh, did you have to talk to that officer? Nope. It, it, if you didn't want to talk to him, you didn't have to say one single word to him. So could he have used your words against you? 100%. You were not in custody at that point in time, so he didn't have to give you your Miranda rights. Okay. So that's one of those things. Do you know when you're allowed to tell him, I don't want to speak with you? And So I could have been like, no, I don't want to speak with you. Yeah, I got nothing to say. And, okay, s- say that was you. What would you how would you – how would you go about it? Well, if you were in that situation? No, that's a tough question. You're asking me if I broke the law. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how would you get... How uh, would I handle it as an officer? Yes, but at, at, at that time, um, would you basically say, okay, there's... I tried it. I mean, I know with cops, obviously, you can't give up because, you know, you are, yeah. you are uh, enforcing the law. I, I, so let me... Let me give you one example of what I have done, and I think it'll go along with the same lines of what you're saying. I remember you once don't break the law, but you you might bend it or something like <laughs> that. Perfect example for the greater good. Though. Me, yeah, from for me being in a law enforcement perspective, um, working in Winchester, we done a lot of traffic enforcement. Up on thirty two one day, running radar, clock a car at a high rate of speed, initiate a traffic stop, go up and talk to the woman, you know. Uh, this is why I stopped you, blah, 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 blah. And she politely says, are, are you sure it was me? And I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, I, I'm not trying to argue with you, but I think there was another car that came up quickly behind me. They were hauling tail. And when we seen you, we're like, good, they're going to get them. And they slammed on their brakes. And then I'm like, okay, there was another car behind you? So then I doubted myself, and I'm like, were they speeding or was the other car speeding? So I said, ma'am, here's your driver's license back. You're free to go. She's like, you're not going to write me a ticket? I'm like, I cannot say with beyond a reasonable doubt that I clocked you for speeding. It could have been the other vehicle, and I'm only human. I make mistakes. So I did not cite her. So if you're asking me if I'm in a situation where I don't have enough evidence against you to prove it, I'm not going to file it. Okay. Hmm. I, so, so I want you, to make sure when I send a case to court that I'm confident that they are guilty and I have the evidence to prove it. Okay. So th- th- that, that's kind of like a humble and pride thing because you're, <laughs> you're humble to admit like, hey, I don't have enough evidence, but you're, you're also prideful being like, I don't want to, you know, I want it to be right. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay. So, and, and, and that's one time I can tell you about. I know there's been more than others. There's been others where I'm going, I'm just not sure. Okay. Traffic crashes are horrible. Yeah. Because a lot of times, well, this is what happened. No, this is what happened. And I'm looking at the crash, and I'm going, I don't know which one's telling me the truth. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of uh, traffic, um, did you hear about that uh, police officer up in Preble County? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually, I drilled with him. I'm in the reserves. Yeah, I drove with him. I knew, and we, we were in the same unit. And we got along very, very well. Ten-year-old daughter. Yep. Yeah, it was horrible. 
You know, um, there's a app that I have on my phone called uh, Ulster Down. Really? And if you look at it, the majority of officers that are killed in the line of duty are traffic crashes. Really? Wow. Wow. But so sad. So sad. Yeah, it, it really is. It kind of kind of hit me a little different because, man, he was uh, – you're just an all-around good guy. And I heard about – yeah, I don't know. It's just – it's sad that, you know, that girl's not going to grow up with a dad and – I saw one post that said um, that he, and it was kind of messed up because she posted it. She was talking about it, this woman. I have no clue who she is. Um, but it happened early in the morning. Correct. And she posted about it, and she said, oh, the daughter's still sleeping. She has yet to know. If she has yet to know, why are you posting about it? Yeah. You know, some people just don't, when it comes to death, people just do not, have any risk some people don't have any respect yeah like um but uh yeah it's it's it is it's definitely a bummer you know so um is there anything else oh i do have one one question um when you pull somebody over for a traffic stop and you get their license you go in you type stuff on the computer what what exactly are you just type in their their license number, and then something pops up like, oh, hey, this person's good to go. Yeah. Okay. So there is a, uh, a database mm-hmm. called NCIC, mm-hmm. um, National Crime Information Center. Uh, there's also a database called uh, uh, Leads. Um, and and what, that ha- what that does is uh, it gives us their driving record. It does not give us a criminal record. So we don't know, you know, if, if we pull somebody over, it's not going to go, oh, yeah, I had a break-in and entering and a theft and a possession. It, it's not going to give us all their criminal history. It's going to give us their driving record, and it's going to show us if they have any wants or warrants, and it's going to show us if their vehicle is stolen, uh, if their tags are expired, if they're the registered owner. That's the information we're usually getting. Okay. And if someone, like when you type it in, does their concealed carry pop up? It does. Immediately. Um, does it blink red, like conceal? Because when I took my conceal carry class, um, the the instructor was like, "Oh yeah, as soon as you as soon as you give them your license, it's gonna pop up, and it's gonna like blink red." And I'm like, "Does it actually do that, or does it just <laughs> kind of maybe say in the side like CCW?" So yeah, I, I think it actually shows up in red, but I don't think it blinks red. Okay. Yeah. Um, do, is it true that? Uh, if you're ever in a situation like um, like you're on vacation or something and you have to talk to a cop, you have to let them know that you are a police officer somewhere else? I don't know if that's a law, but I, I think it's courtesy. Okay. Yeah, it, it, it was one of those things. Uh, and, and obviously, every time I talk to a law enforcement officer, if I'm off duty or whatever, I always say, hey, listen, uh, I do have a firearm on me. I want to let you know. I don't want you know. I don't want you to see something in my pocket and get you know get, be concerned or whatever. So I always let them know that I have a firearm on me. And then they ask, "Why do you have a firearm on you?" Well, law enforcement, you know, off duty. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because uh, I was in Virginia with some friends, and uh, one of them was a cop, and uh, we pulled in this parking garage, and this girl had, you know, she was like really st- very uh, small stature. She had like a taser, and it was you know it was just a stun gun. Yeah, um, and she w- we didn't we just wanted to see it like you know be used 
but like it was just one of those like you have to not a taser like you have. Yeah, it's stun gun. Yeah, yeah. You, you actually hold it against someone's skin and tase them or in, okay. and uh, stun okay. gun them. Yeah. Well, well, when you said stun gun, I was like, okay, gun. Yeah, the, yeah, Pro- yeah. prong taser. <laughs> um, but uh, and she all she did, she just got it out. She clicked it. You know the little. It made sound. Next thing you know, like campus police like whip in and they're like, "Oh, you can't use a taser." And then he like the, the police officer that was with us. He walked over there, showed him his stuff, and everything was fine. And but he said like, you know, you have to show. So that's just what I. Uh, I I think that yeah that's you a don't have to but it's respect thing okay yeah yeah okay. unwritten rules right like baseball yeah. exactly. Um, is there any, any anything else you want to say? Um, now I, I want to cur- encourage anybody who has any questions, uh, and I say questions, even concerns about uh, maybe the state of law enforcement in Brown County right now, reach out to me. Uh, I'm an open book. Uh, I'm, uh, obviously, here we are an hour and a half into it. Mm-hmm. I, I love talking to people and, and just discussing on what can we do to make things better in law enforcement, what, what works better, uh, we should always be improving. Every day should be, uh, how can we get better today? Okay. Um, so I want people to reach out to me. Uh, I, obviously, I, I'm going to ask for people's votes in March. Mm-hmm. But I would much rather than be an informed voter and know why they're voting for me instead of going, well, yeah, I saw 400 of those yellow signs. They're driving me nuts. I had to vote for him. <laughs> I want them to say, I'm voting for him because of this. Um, you know, you had asked a question earlier, and I don't think we ever got there question two things that i said that i'd heard can't be elected if you're south of 125 uh-huh. and don't talk about your faith mm-hmm. obviously in the time we've been talking i've talked a little bit about my faith mm-hmm. but my faith is my character my okay. faith is my ethics my faith is my morals um i believe if you don't have god in your life you're searching for him uh i, I think he's always trying to draw us closer to him mm-hmm. uh and, and so, therefore, if, if I can be those hands and feet of, of Jesus and I can share my faith with somebody, listen, you can tell me all day long to shut up and I'll shut up. If you don't want me to talk about it, I'll respect that. But I also want to share with you the good news that this life is temporary. It's very short. Life is but a vapor. We've lost a lot. Of, you just talked about the ulcer. Mm-hmm. We lose a lot of people very, very early in life, and it's not fair. But there's an eternity, and eternity is a very long time. Yep. Uh, and I just want everybody to be there with us, not one or two of us. I don't want to go. Well, I'd rather him not be there. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, my my end game is that my end game is to tell everybody about this wonderful God that we serve. Okay. Um, where are before we get off here? Where are your next uh, campaigns? Like uh, the campaign trail? Where is it lead yeah. to next? Well, any, any events coming up? You know, honestly, uh, I have been, I've been overwhelmed and exhausted from from the heavy campaign trail. I'm going to take about a week off and enjoy the holidays with my beautiful family. Uh, I do have nine kids, six grandkids, a uh, lot, a lot of family. So next week, week maybe a little bit more. We're just going to focus on the family, okay. and we're going to recharge the batteries. And then uh, come first week of January, we're going to hit it hard. Um, so then I, I want to do a lot of one-on-one stuff. I want to get out, I want to get out and meet people. Uh, uh, so if I'm knocking on your door, please don't shoot first. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
<laughs> Please don't shoot first. If if you see a if you see a, a truck with a Benjamin sticker on it, I'm just there to talk to you yep. and, and uh, drop off some literature. Um, so that's that's my next goal is to get out, knock on some doors, talk to some people, and and try to get people to get to know me. Uh, I want to encourage everybody to go to my Facebook page. There's so much information there that you can know more about me and what my plan is. Um, someone told me years ago about campaigning. Um, two things. Don't disturb people on Sunday because, you know, they just. That's their day of rest, right? Yep. And two, don't. Now, this is, it's so different because it's, what I'm about to say makes sense, but not doing it could possibly look bad. Don't show up to the polls. Like, you showing up. Like uh, with your your signs, your shirts, you know your support cast support system with you. Ninety five percent, probably ninety nine percent of the people coming into those polls already know who they're going to vote for. You standing there, that's not going to change anything. Now that's just what I was told. Do I agree with the second? I agree with the first first one, but the second one, I can see I see where they're coming from, but I also see, you know what. It, like I said, ninety five or ninety nine percent. What about that five percent? What about that one percent? Yeah, you know. So, um, that's a tough one. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I've never heard that one before. That's tough. So, so I mean, maybe if I ever run for some office, I'll maybe I'll learn something from it. But yeah. I do want to say one thing real quick, and this has absolutely nothing to do with the podcast. Um, a little side story. Um, I got into a basketball league back in October. Um, it went on a whim <laughs> and I, I'm not the best basketball player. I'll tell you that right now, but I know now I can recruit a team because we went in there and it was a eight game season or it was a six, six week season and we play or a five week season, but we played six games. Everybody, every team had a double header. We won every game and we won the tournament. And when, uh, somebody on the team told me that, that I should do a shout out. At, in the beginning of a podcast, I'm not dumb. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm not dumb. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make them listen to the whole thing, and now I'm gonna give a shout out to Josh Galley, Blake Toll, Brandon Grant, Eric Smith, Jarrett Young, and Corey Cutler. Well, you're a cheater, aren't you? You stacked that team. Yes, I, <laughs> you <stacked> that team. <laughs> oh, I did. Oh, yeah. Did you play in Russellville? Yes. Why? Do you know? Do you know something about it? No, I mean, my brother played up there. Who? Anthony Benjamin. They call him Dean. Oh, okay, yeah. And, and I, it, I saw. We, we only played him. Um, we played that team the very first week because they were team one and we yeah. were team three, and they had the doubleheader. And we real that was the best team we played. Their team, and um, uh, I never really saw him anymore. Yeah. So, somebody he's he's like a big fisherman. Oh, he's into everything. Yeah. Yeah. So and then, and of course, I, I don't know if Gabe Fife is on his oh, team. Yeah, yeah, yep, he was there. So Gabe is my future son-in-law as long as you don't screw it up. <laughs> 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 and then, uh, yeah, uh, all those yeah, all those Ripley boys. You can't do anything with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So shout out to them. We won. Congratulations. Um, and and I, I, I had the team name was the Second Wednesday. That's what what the podcast was called. It's called the Second Wednesday podcast. Yeah. Um. So, shout out to them. Yeah. Uh, I think we're good. 
best of luck. Um, God bless you. Come. I appreciate you having me on. Yep. Come and I look, forward, I look forward to doing this again soon, right? Yeah. We're going to oh, do this again? We're going to do it in November. <laughs> the day after the election, we're going to do it. That would be March 20th. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> I, I mean. Yeah, yeah after it's so official, okay. official. I mean, if you want to do it in March, that's fine. If you want to do it when it's actually official, that's fine too. No, yeah, definitely get together and uh, talk about what's next. Yep. Cool. What's next. Yes, that's awesome. All right, we're good.